Welcome to the Called Up Podcast. This is the place for the dreamers, the dreamers who desire to fulfill all God has created them to be. I am your host, Marquise Harris, and we will be talking all things faith, legacy, and the pursuit of purpose. Y'all, get ready, because it's about to go up. Y'all, welcome to another episode of the Called Up Podcast. Y'all, this week will be a treat. You'll see why in just a second. I have one of the most dynamic individuals I know, and I'm excited for y'all to get to have the opportunity to hear from him as he shares his story, as he's able to share more insight about this question that we're going to explore. is like what it means to maximize your gifts for kingdom impact. I think a lot of times we come, we, we face life challenges where we're always trying to figure out like, God, how are you going to do this? How do I take this gift and this gift and do this for your glory in the end? But I believe we have the right brother here to be able to share that. And let me, let me just read a little bit about, about him before he formally comes on. So we got Mr. Colton Blake with us. He is a distinguished educator, speaker, and creative connection consultant from Fort Worth, Texas. He is a highly sought after for his creative passion and energy that he brings to the field of education, specifically for his engaging and innovative approach to creating and cultivating student connection in the classroom and beyond. In addition to his successes in education, he works in full-time ministry, actively performs and coaches singers across the country and runs a premier online bakery out of Fort Worth, Texas, y'all. This brother, to say the least, has a lot going on. Colton, man, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. So excited to have you on, man. What's going on? Hey, man. Listen, <laughs> now, had I known you were going to read all that, I would have told you to skip all that. And we can, we can just dive into <laughs> what we're doing. But listen, I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Marquise. I am excited. I will tell you, I am an avid listener of the Call Up Respect. Podcast. So I'm excited to be on the other side of things for this particular yeah. episode. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad to be rocking with you and your listening audience, your viewers. It's going to be a good time. Oh, yes, it, it will be. And if y'all can't tell right now, this brother's energy, you, you're going to be captivated from the start. But I, but I want to start with something very in particular with, with what you had listed. I've never heard of what it means to be a creative connection consultant. Like, yeah. What, what is this? Like, break this down in layman terms for the regular folk out here that don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what does it mean to be a creative connection consultant? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll put it in layman's terms. In layman's terms, <laughs> I have the opportunity to be able to help teachers, to help educators create and cultivate spaces of connection, culture, and climate within their classroom and with their students. And I, and I do that specifically, I do that in a lot of different areas, and I'll talk about that as we converse later on in the episode, but specifically in education, what that means yeah. is I have the opportunity to help teachers connect what they are teaching to who they are teaching it to. Right. I have an opportunity to help administrators connect what it is that they're leading to who it is that they're leading or even more practically in educational terms. I'm able to connect curriculum and content to the culture of the students who are in front of you. And so really taking a dive, a deeper dive into 
going beyond the surface level of what it is that we are required to teach, the curriculum we're required to teach as, as, as teachers, and how do we really make it a lasting impression? And the ultimate goal, and I'll tell you why my role and what I do and why I believe it's so important, it's my very, very fervent opinion that connection is the foundation um, of, of everything that we do. And as a matter of fact, right. I use, and I say that connection in the educational space, connection is the, I use connection as a catalyst for student success. And not student mm. success just in the classroom, but connection as a catalyst for student success and beyond. Think about it. Think about it. We are hardwired. Hear me. We are hardwired for connection. Like straight right. out the womb, a baby comes out. <laughs> I'm a teacher, y'all. So it's in me to just to just give real life yeah. examples. Come out crying and it's not to the baby is connected with their parent, with their mother, with their father, right. that the baby begins to be soothed because even straight out the womb, we are wired for connection. Connection is important because connection offers us also multiplies the power that we have to get done what we need to get done. Think about, yep. man, a plug and a socket. The socket has its function as able to do, to do what it do. A plug has it going on, able to do what it's able to do. But it's not until they connect to something, a catalyst for change really starts happening. A car is as powerful as it wants to be. These car keys I have, they got their own power. But it's not until I stick the right. keys into the ignition and make that connection that it begins to create. Um, it, it begins to yield something more successful and something beyond what it is and actually not even beyond, but it, it's able to do what it was created to do. And so nowadays in education and the reason why what I do is so important and why I'm so passionate about helping other educators connect to the students because the students that we are teaching um, nowadays, they are a... And in every good way, they are a different breed of kids. They're That's a fact. Breed of kids. Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you, I will tell you, different doesn't mean bad. Different just means different. I tell people that all the time. Different doesn't mean bad. Different just means they think differently than we than we think. They they process things differently than we process. So we can, in order to effectively reach this mass of students, we can't take our old ways of doing things and try to apply them to the new students that we have. If I was to take a scripture, like we can't take the old wine that we've been using and try to pour that into new wine skins and, and think that Speaking. it's going to hold all the information. All it's going to do is see through. So man, in a nutshell, I, I take all the genius, all the genius, the educators that I get the opportunity to work alongside, I take their genius and I sit with them and help them create and come up with a plan on how to take the content, the curriculum that they're already using, how to mm -hmm. leverage student connection <laughs> to increase student success in their classroom. Man, man, that's powerful because it's because so often, you know, because I also did work in the field of education. That's always this big question yeah, about, yeah. man, how do I connect with this group of students versus this group? And just hearing just the heart of saying is, hey, how do you continue to be your authentic self while also being cognizant of the of the demographic or the, the group of students that you're working with? And it's so it's so critical and important because at the end of the day, if you're not making that connection, it don't matter what you're teaching. It don't matter what you're putting before. We just hope that it's all going to yeah. work out. 
but why did you choose to go into education? You know, you could have did a number of different things, but why did you choose to go into education? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm a man, I'm a, I'm a man of, of, of many stories. Um, and I, I believe that it is, it is our stories that make all of us on this planet unique and that we have, we have a responsibility to share our story. And actually part of what I do, especially specifically in the music realm, is I help students and teachers find their rhythm and sing their song that we all have a song to sing and it's just tapping into and figuring out that, that song. So story. Growing up, I actually wanted to be a zoologist, okay? I wanted wow. to be a zoologist. <laughs> I've always had this love and this fascination for animals, okay? Um, then I went to SeaWorld one day, and oh, my gosh, I saw, I saw, actually, it's the beluga whale. It wasn't even Shamu who impressed me. It was looking <laughs> at the beluga whales, and I was like, ooh, I have to be a marine biologist. I have to be a marine oh. biologist. And so I've, I've, I went through... A few years of that phase, but let me tell you what was always in me is I used to love to play school. I used to love to get me and my cousins together, and we and I always wanted to be the teacher. I always right. wanted to help teach a lesson or help put something together, and even more specifically, I wanted to. So I'm I'm a fine arts person. My background is music education, so that's where my degree is, and that's where a lot of years of what I do in education. That's kind of where where my where my feet have been um, groomed, if you will, is in the yeah. music education realm. And so I would spend a lot of times in my childhood as well helping put together people to organize plays. We would we would put together little community plays in a backyard. And it was just, I always had a joy helping lead people, helping, I've always had a joy to learn. And then I've always had an even greater joy to help other people learn as well. And so yeah. as I be, went through grade school and I went through, um, got to high school, my senior year of high school, I already knew that I wanted to teach. Now I will tell you, I was at this yeah. crossroads on, I've been in music all my life. I also love English and I love writing. Mm. And I was at this crossroad on whether I wanted to be an English teacher or do I want to go teach, um, sorry, my computer's doing something crazy. Do I want to go You're teach uh, band or want to go teach choir? And I ultimately ended up going into music education. But now that I'm where I am now and the passion and the fervor that I have for education now is it has blossomed from that childhood interest of education and wanting to know to really understanding first and foremost the power that lies within applied knowledge and applied education. That the mm. one thing that my ancestors fought for was the ability to receive a quality education. Even, even way back, the ability to be able to read and the ability to be able to write because yeah. that was the one thing that nobody, no matter how much you did to me, no matter how much you don't like me, no matter how much you take away from me, you can never take away how much I have learned and how much I know. And once I begin to understand that in my adulthood, the power that is in education and knowledge, yeah. it has really sparked a passion in me to now. And I feel like I have the blessed responsibility to be able to help other students and help other adults and help other yeah. other people gain that knowledge, that that thing that can't be taken away. So now for me, it is it started out as um, just something I enjoyed to do to now it is a deeply rooted passion of mine. Yeah. 
No, that is, man, I told y'all, this this brother here, man. You said something, I think, that, that just resonated with me. You said, when you think about the responsibility that you now have because of how hard your ancestors fought yeah. to be able to even have the ability to do the basics, read and yeah. write. Because we understand yeah. how powerful knowledge is, how, how powerful education is. And not only that, when you think about your unique role, you talk about being in music education, you talk yeah. about uh, having the passion to write, but then also looking at it in, in the landscape of education, the, the statistics show us black male representation in yeah. education is less yeah. than 2% across the, I mean, across, across the board, which yeah. is, yeah. It, it's crazy to think about, but yeah. it's, it's no surprise. When we understand yeah. the landscape of education, right? Yeah, when we yeah, understand yeah, the true nature yeah. of the, the, the historical context. And so when you think about your role and you're very, very much self-aware that, man, I understand that me being a black male is one thing, music education, then also understanding being in one of the core, one of the core areas with English as well. How do you manage that reality while also striving to still stay and be the best at what you do. Because me personally, I know you're one that looks to operate in excellence in everything yeah. you do while also being able to face the brutal facts that, yo, you can go into a room and know you may be one of one yeah. and being able to navigate a space like that. So what would you say just in regards towards that? Man, I'll say simply put for me, I have, I have a huge heart and a huge calling, actually a lifetime mission and calling to specifically young black men. And what I carry with me, thinking about that we are the two percenters, black men in education, thinking about all of that, what I carry with me and what gets me through every day and helps me to be the best that I can be is I know that my role, especially knowing that black male educators only represent 2% of, of educators in the field, I know that my role and my responsibility I have a responsibility to help expose the students that I teach and the students that have come in contact with me and me, me and every other black male educator to expose them to a different narrative than what society is exposing them to what it means to be a black man in our society, to what it means to be in a black, mm. a black man in America. So I carry with me every, everywhere I go, every school I go into, the responsibility and the weight to show other young black men, to show other young black uh, other young black ladies, as well as red, yellow, black, and white, to not only show them that for you that look like me, there is more than what's being shown to us. And for you that don't look like me, I want to show you that the narrative that you've been fed through media, through social media, through TV, through news outlets, mm -hmm. the narrative that's being perpetuated that the big black man, I, I, I wholeheartedly, believe, wholeheartedly believe, and I don't want to navigate the, the podcast somewhere else, but no, be another episode to be happy back to talk about black men. I'm very <laughs> passionate about that. But I wholeheartedly believe that there is the, one of the most feared species on our planet is the black man. And there is a narrative mm. that perpetuates that everywhere that I go, everywhere, especially when you're a big, I'm six, five, especially when you're a big black man, yeah. that, that narrative is multiplied times 10. And so when I go into a classroom as a black man, I'm going to it knowing that I have the responsibility one to help change the narrative of what's being spewed out 
about those who look like me, and then two, to help inspire and give hope to those who look like me that there is something more that they can mm. attain to, that they can reach for than what's being um, what's been exposed to them and what's been given to them. And so that is the weight and kind of what keeps me being the best that I can be. I have a responsibility to be the best I, I can be because I need to inspire somebody else who looks like me, especially to be the best that they can be. So that's what I carry with me, man. Hey man, that, that is powerful because it's, it's, I've seen you live that out. And so just a little disclaimer here. I know I didn't share this at the, at, at, at the beginning that when Colton is also a TCU grad, and yeah. so shout out Horn, Horn Frog Life. And I just remember being able to, you have such a dominant, not only your demeanor is dominant, your personality is dominant, but it's also magnetic because you're, you're an individual that even all those years ago when we first met and had the, and I had the opportunity to connect with you, I knew you carried yourself in a way that I said, man, that's a guy I need to get connected with. And I know you were, you were just, I was a freshman. I think you were just on your way out, uh, just your senior year, but I, but I'll never forget th- even what you just shared being a reality that I saw you live out even before you went into education, even before you really went into that, yeah. that side of the career. So yeah. I want to commend you number one for continuing yeah, to walk in that all these years later, but also helping me to even see that and knowing how important it was. I was like, this is a brother I have to bring on just to be able to share your heart on that. Because I believe so many individuals don't see that. Yeah, they don't yeah. see that image. And, and also being in education, I see that every single day. It's, it's yeah. such a, such a, it's such a difficult push and pull because you understand that the burden that you carry, yeah, the responsibility yeah. that sometimes you didn't even ask for. It's just yeah. a matter of when you walk through the door and yeah, just being yeah. able to do that. But man, just want to commend you, number one, for, for continuing to walk in that uh, every single day and, and knowing it ain't easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know Appreciate it ain't easy. Appreciate yeah, it. Respect, respect. <laughs> so I want to transition a bit, though. I know we talked a lot about education, yeah. but you are not just in education, brother. Okay. You are running uh-huh. not only a business, you're running uh-huh. a premier online uh-huh. bakery, uh-huh. brother. Brother, <laughs> tell us about that experience, what it's about, what was the inspiration. Tell us about that, man. Absolutely. So I am blessed to be able to own, operate, and then be the, the, the lead and only baker for Kokomo's Cookery, an online, a premier online bakery here in Fort Worth, Texas. So I'll tell you, I gave you my childhood and told you how I was interested in zoology and marine biology. Another thing that I've always been fascinated and interested in, and it's so crazy. Now that I look back, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Now that I look back on my life and I see what I am doing now, it's so crazy to think back, and I may touch on this later, but it's so crazy to think back to how nothing in my life, nothing in my life was an accident, nothing that I was Mm. interested in, not literally there were no wasted moments of my life that I can look back and I can trace everything that I'm doing now, I can trace it in some way, shape or form back to something that God had me doing when I was little or interested in or thinking about. Nevertheless, so I've always been interested as well in cooking, okay? Your boy used to Mm -hmm. like, this chef is not on yet enough. I think he's I think he's still with us. I think he's still alive. His name was Emerald Lagasse. Okay. And I used mm-hmm. to love him. He used to say, Bam. And he used to cook. <laughs> he, used to, he used to have this little this Italian act or this really this like uh, 
Creole accent he had, and I yeah. absolutely loved watching the Food Network. I still love love watching the Food Network. Um, and ever since I was a child, I would love getting in the kitchen and just figuring out how to cook things, bake things, mm-hmm. create things. I come from a family who cooks and bakes really well, so it's just like in my blood. You hear me? And so yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. It has always been instilled with me. Fast forward. As I got older, um, especially for big family holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all those good things, uh, Easter, I would be the person in my family who, do, who did all the cooking. So all the cooking, all the baking. That's my time to say, uh, try new. Re- now, I, I did a rule. Let me tell you to all you cooks and bakes out there, bakers, there's a rule that says you don't wait till family functions to try new recipes. Now, let me tell Respect. you. I broke I broke that rule often and my family found <laughs> me. Like, listen, Thanksgiving is not the time to try your new sweet potato pot, pot recipe. <laughs> try the one that we had last year that we enjoyed last year and then give us the other one in between. Nevertheless, right. uh, pandemic <laughs> came, man. Pandemic came and everything was shut down. Uh, except, and people were doing a lot of less less of things, but the one thing that increased is people was eating a whole lot more. Okay, and people, mm-hmm. people had, people had, and people also, including me, I'm people, it's me, I'm people, had a lot more time to cook and explore. I'll tell you, as a baker, it was hard at the height of the pandemic. It was hard to find flour in stores. It was hard to find eggs. Simple thing, not only because of the food shortage that we were experiencing, but because people were like experimenting and at home trying to bake. Long story short, I'll fast forward this story. So I baked some cookies. Put them on, put them, put them on my story and say, ooh, baking some cookies. Somebody asked me what I sell them. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna sell. I'm not trying to get into that. That's not what I'm trying to do. Long story short, they convinced me to sell them some cookies. Well, of course. My 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 melanated people, there's something we do. We, <laughs> we have no problem, okay, pushing people when we want to. So the story goes mm. that they ended up telling people that. Ooh, Colton is selling cookies now. <laughs> so I just sold them cookies, but now it turns into Colton is selling cookies. And I kept getting hit up and people like, oh my gosh, will you sell, will you sell, will you sell? And so I ended up just jumping out there, um, was like, man, I don't know if nobody's going to buy this stuff. I just baked me and my family. We like it. Um, and man, I did my first cookie sale and it, it blew up. Um, it sold out. Um, in less than, I put like a pre-order form. It sold out literally in less than 20 minutes. And wow. literally all my sales after that were selling out. Like my pre-orders were selling out in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I think the longest I've gone is was an hour before things started selling out. And I was like, oh my wow. gosh, there is something <laughs> here. And so I fast forwarded. I, be, I went ahead and legitimized the business. I came up with the name Kokomo's Cookery. My grandmother um, used to call me Kokomo. To this day, and she she's no longer with us. I have no idea, y'all, no idea what Kokomo means, why she called me Kokomo. Um, but my grandmother literally, my granny, she supported everything that I did. Literally, and she mm-hmm. would make the family support everything that I did, me and my cousins, everything that we did. And so when I began to launch out and say, okay, I'm going to make this a business, I literally thought of, I know if she was here, the first person who would buy up every single cookie I made was her. 
And so yeah. me Kokomo and I decided to name the business after after her and her honor. I don't think you know what this is. This is a called up exclusive. I've never shared this uh, publicly on on the name well, shout of out. My business and all of that stuff. Come on, come on, exclusive. Hey, shout out, shout um, out. We, we we appreciate it. <laughs> and that is, that's how Man. the business has. That's how the business is now, um, and that's how yeah. it came about. Um, just having a whole lot of time on my hand because I tell you the downside to being a creative connection consultant is um, I'm independently contracted, meaning I work for myself. Yeah. So when the school mm-hmm. shut down, your boy didn't have respect. No uh huh. Uh huh. Need uh-huh. money. It's a call uh-huh. Uh-huh. We transparent. We real, right? Your boy didn't right. have no job. <laughs> I was at the house and I had a, I had a whole a lot of time on my hand, and that's really how that was birthed. Um, wow. God, God really told me, ooh, I don't, I don't know how, where we're going to go in the podcast, but if we go, I'll, I'll share. If, if the podcast takes us there, I'll share how I even got to working for myself and being an independent, contracted education person. Um, but Kokomo's, I will just say that Kokomo's cookery is God fulfilling one of his promises that he would always keep me and he will never, he will make sure that I never go lacking. Um, when I made the decision to step out on faith and leave outside of the classroom and step out into yeah. what he's told me to do. So, yeah, I'm sweating. Man, you already, you already know we couldn't let you off the hook on now. But that was like, hey, I'll throw this little care day. You better tell that story, man, and, and what that means and what that, how that looked like. Because I think that realness and that truth about that dependency, like I'm, you, you will not have lack. But do you trust me? Because that's one of the hardest things when you talk about having blind faith, especially yeah, yeah. during a time period where education was so so much a day. But but please, man, you know what what is it about that story that you feel is is, is important? Man, I'll give that us our I'll listeners give us to take short, from. I'll give us the short version. Um, I know I say <laughs> called up listeners, y'all hear me say the short version. Like I'm probably like this is the short version, bro. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> So listen, like I told y'all, uh, music education, and specifically choral music education, is my background. That's my foundation. That's what I went to school for, and I had the privilege mm-hmm. to teach for years um, on the southwest side in, in a district on the southwest side of Dallas. Absolutely loved it. When I tell you, I loved yeah. my students. I loved my administration. It was where God had called me to be. I couldn't have asked for a sweeter setup. I couldn't have asked to see the hand of God and to know that it was His will for me to be there. I couldn't have asked for a better situation than set up. And I'll tell you, the reason I say that is because I worked at the roughest school in the district, and I worked at a school mm-hmm. that had so much student turnaround, was such a transient school, and so on paper, on the outside looking in, it was actually not didn't seem like it was a good school to work for but when you are in the will of god and you're doing what he's called you to do he knows how to make you be good even when the situation around you isn't good and so he had me taken Mm. care of i was good i was i was rocking okay into teaching loving it showing up doing what i've been called to do through about a few years in god began to grow this passion of working with young black men and I started mm-hmm. this. I started this organization at my school, and um, called the Young Young Men's. Actually, it was Young Men of Excellence, and then it birthed into. And it, I started it. 
I was a step, I was the step team coach and I formed a step team at my school. Um, and that birthed into starting an organization or a club for young men. And the reason I say young black men is because my school was 97% African American. That was the makeup wow. of the school. And so all the, all the young men that were in my program, they were, they were black, they're African American. So started this step team. It fast forwarded into young men of excellence. This this organization or this 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 club, if you will, that helped um, was a leadership program for young men, middle school yeah. age young men. And then it was birthed into this thing called the Young Men Summer Leadership Institute, where I took three weeks in the summer, four weeks in the summer, and just poured into these young men, brought in different speakers. It was really dope. And so this was maybe five years, four or five years into me teaching. Absolutely loved it. Okay, fast forward, fast yeah. forward to year seven. Year seven, I hear, or is it year six? Let's say year six. Year six, I hear God tell me, your season is your season is up here. And I say, oh, no, God, what you mean? Like, how could you? I couldn't believe that in being in a situation that felt so good that, he would call for that season to be up because a lot of times we've been conditioned that the end of the season has to end. We've been conditioned for some reason that they, we know it's up and we just feel bad and we just feel, no, I felt good. And it was literally wow. in the midst of me feeling good that God says, your season is about to be up. This is going to be your last year, blah, blah. Y'all flat out, I told God, no, bruh. I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, I said, I love where I am. You, you calling me out and you telling me to do this and I don't know what I'm going to do. So I go into the next school year, y'all, just disobedient as I want to be, huh? I go into the next school year and for the first time in my teaching career, everything, I got all the accolades in the world. My students got all the accolades in the world. Everything that had been seven for the previous seven years, they were going just the same. But I would go home every day and I would feel this, this, um, unsatis this dissatisfaction. I was like, yeah. why do I feel so dissatisfied when literally things are going amazing? Why do I feel like um, there is more? There is more. There is more. Yeah. And he was because like, there is, because there is, because I told you not to mm. come back here. But because I'm God and because I love you, I'm going to cover you, even though you're not in the wheel that I would have you to be in, because I'm not going to just let you be out there because you're my son and I love you, big dog. I'm going to cover you. Yeah. But just know that what you're feeling, right, is a result of you staying someplace and you, you're staying in a place that you're out of season. Like it is, the season yeah. is over there. So, mm. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Long story short, some that summer before going before going back the next year, um, God literally, listen, 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 called up. God literally kept me awake for three days straight, y'all. Three wow. like literally did not go to sleep because I was wrestling with God about the decision to leave where I was because here was my fear. He was telling me to leave, but he did he wasn't telling me where he was taking me and how it was going to be provided and cared for. He just told me that the season mm -mm -mm. is up. And yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. And I literally got to a point where I was tired of not being able to go to sleep. And I knew it was a spiritual one. I said, okay, God, yes, my season mm. is up. I'm done. Instantly, Marquise, I fell asleep and had the best sleep of my life. Instantly, <laughs> I fell asleep and had the best sleep of my life. 
And so I went into that school year, finished out the school year. And after that school year, y'all, all I had was God's word. I had my feet and God's mm. word. I literally didn't know how I was going to make money. I mm. didn't know um, what I was going to be doing. All God told me, here's what he told me. He said, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to help save a generation of young black men. Mm. And I'm going to make sure that if you do what I'm calling you to do, okay, if you do what I'm calling you to do, I'm going to make sure that streams of income hit your life that you will never lack for anything because of your decision to obey what it is that I'm calling you to do. And so, y'all, when I decided to take the leap, I'll tell y'all, I left my job. Like I'm telling y'all, didn't know where I was going, didn't have no yeah. other job lined up, literally no other stream of income, didn't know. People ask me, what are you going to do next? And this is literally, I kind of want to give some insight to the honest. This is literally at the height of, and I'm, I'm going to brag on God, not on me, but this is literally at the height of, yo, I, I was killing it in education. Uh, district teacher of the year. I have won uh, a state accolade teacher of the year. My kids were literally killing, smashing all across the state. I was going around. I was teaching here. I was doing this. I was doing master classes here. And literally, God said, the season is up and it's time to move. And he didn't tell mm -hmm. me where I was going. He just said, go. And he told me right after that, I heard this sermon by Pastor Ty Trivet. And the sermon was talking about uh, the 10 lepers. And they were going, they were coming to be healed. And Jesus told them, go. And then the scripture says that as they went, they were healed. And God mm -hmm. literally told me from that message, you are called to live a as you go life. And here's what, mm -hmm. here's what he told me that, that that means. When I tell you to go, as you go, you will begin to see why I called mm -hmm. you to go. I'm not the guy yeah. that's going to tell you why I'm calling you to move before I called you to move. I need you to trust me enough to move and know that once you start moving, then I'm going to start revealing to you why it is that I've called you to move. And I am standing here today. I'm, this is four years now for me. This is my fourth wow. year that I have stepped out on faith. Um, and I literally got have when we talk about creative connection of consulting, the reason we've never heard of it is because literally God created that position for me. That position doesn't mm. exist in education. Right. And I am literally right. in multiple school districts operating under this position that literally God created. And I'm paving the way on what this position looks like. And I mm. am here four years later as a living proof, y'all, that I have never Scripture says that we we never seen the righteous forsaken nor see beg for bread. Literally, there has not been a time in this four years where I have went without, where I have mm. not had no food. Y'all say I'm a big fella, <laughs> right? I have not had no food where I have had to wonder how I was going to pay bills. And so when I talk about Kokomo's cookery being a manifestation of God just holding his end of the bargain that is another stream that just happened to be another stream of income for me and another way of mm. god saying that as long as you're doing what i'm calling you to do i'm going to always you never have to worry about me taking uh holding up my end of the bargain you just do what i've called yeah. you and so literally y'all since then i'm four years in i have been called to live an as you go life and Man. i know that god is calling me and god is calling a group of people across the world, and I, I literally believe, especially in this millennial age, 
this millennial age yeah. group, okay? Because I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm in my my early thirties, okay? Yeah. I believe that God is calling a group of us to pave a way that has never been paved before. And the catalyst to him paving that way is for us to step out and say yes on the craziness that he has called us to do. Y'all, when I tell y'all, Marquise, there are mm. there were so many people who were like, What are you doing? What is your job? Of course. What, is your role? what have you been called to do? And now when people ask me what I've been called to do, I tell them I, I am literally I am literally called to blaze a trail of victory for God's glory, that God is literally shifting and reshaping something on earth as it is in mm. heaven to prepare the way for his coming, for his arrival, and that he is using us to do something that has never been done on the earth because the world is about to see something that has never been seen. And so literally mm. the past four years of my life have been that. Man. That's one of those those mic drop moments, and then you just extra stage left, and then just, hey, you know, have have y'all been fed enough there, man? My God, dude, I'm over here just, you know, at the edge of my seat trying to, like, goodness gracious, because when we think about the true power and the essence of what it means to walk and live by faith, yeah, like that, that that's in essence what you're doing at a level that sometimes we can be afraid of. Because and I and I'll speak for me personally because I think about the journey and, and you know when God's called me to to step out or to do something yeah. it's always the question mark but 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 hold on like I heard what you said but I just need to know okay what's step three four five and six yeah. Yeah. so I know you got me and God's like hold on uh-uh. I told you step one step two is you actually listening and taking that step and you're like. But God, can you show me a sign first? Like, can you show me something else that really is going to push me to that? But man, it's 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 such a that's such a powerful testimony, man. And I and I knew I was like I knew you could leave that out there and not share that piece because it is so freeing. It's it's so enlightening, but it's also inspiring because it's just a reminder of God's faithfulness through so much, man. And 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 just what and what it continues to do. And and I know what Kokomo's cookery and and, and education and all the different things you do. I know you shared a lot. You shared a lot of different angles and aspects of that. But I, I guess I want to culminate to kind of this in, you know, as we kind of wrap it up a bit. Sure. Look, what advice would you give to that believer out there that's like, I know I got all these areas that God has, has kind of pushed me to. I also have a gift in here. You talk about cooking. You talk about education. You talk about writing, speaking as well, and, and singing. Uh, and so it's, it's like you bring so many different things to the table. But sometimes we don't feel like we have the capacity. Someone doesn't feel like they have the capacity to do so. What advice would you give to that individual that may be hesitant to really take that leap, take that step and be able to really maximize in all those areas at once in, in essence and how, and similar to how you are. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's a good question. I would say the first step to understanding our capacity is to, is to, understand and to have clarity. Clarity leads to increased capacity. And I'll talk about what mm. I mean by that, okay? That literally we have to be clear in clarity in a, in a whole lot of different areas. Here's the first area if I want, if I was to make this practical and tangible and give us three steps we can walk away with. And literally yeah. uh, God is kind of downloading as I'm sharing. We have to be clear about who we are first 
to first mm-hmm. be able to know what our capacity is. Here's here mm. here's if we were okay, if we were a two liter bottle, we were a two liter soda bottle. Okay, as long as we see ourselves as a twelve ounce can, right? We will only think we have the capacity to hold twelve ounces. But it's not until Man. we look in the mirror and see that yo, I'm a two liter bottle, and I can literally hold. I was created to hold more. Then I know, okay, all of this stuff that I'm being given is actually not God putting more on me than I can bear. It's actually God showing me and helping me see the capacity that He has been that He has called me to mm. hold. And so the first That's thing so is to get clarity about God. God, who have you called me to be? Okay, that's the mm-hmm. that's the very and straight up, y'all. When I pray to God in this season, let me tell y'all, in this season of this faith walk, I don't have time, y'all, to do these fancy deep prayers. Me and God talk straight up. Okay, I just came out of a season where I felt like where I felt like I was all over the place. Okay, I felt like God had me doing this and doing this, doing this. And I said, God, yo, I don't like feeling like I'm all over the place. I need you to give me clarity, man. Literally straight Mm. up like that. I said, I need you to give me clarity. And so practical ways to pursue clarity, if you will. The only way to pursue clarity and the only way to know what the manufacturer has called you to do is to go back and look at the manual that came with you. Mm. And so the only way for me to know who the manufacturer has called me to be was to go back. Yo, I opened up my, uh, I opened up my app, my U version app. Shout out to U version Life Church. Yeah. Opened up my version I literally went and found me a plan. Like if you just go to plans, and I literally just clicked on, I said, God, I need you to show yourself. Literally every time, every time I went to go read a plan, I need you to show yourself. I read a plan mm. and God began to chip away and begin to show me that, yo, the reason you feel like you, you, you know, and you, you have all that, I, that I've called you to do all of this stuff and you want to know, okay, how do I get started and how do I do it? It's to first understand what your capacity is. The second thing. Right. Is to real is to actually just do it. I don't know if I have three things. The second thing is to actually just do it. I t- I tell yeah. people all the time. They tell me, man, you you take you're taking this journey of faith, but have you not been afraid? Have you not been yeah. fearful? Because I will tell you, fear has kept imposter syndrome. If you ever talk about that, I want to come back and be a guest on that too. Oh yeah, oh especially, yeah, oh yeah. Especially with those in our age group, because God is elevating us to spaces that on paper we don't qualify for. Listen, mm. those of us who are between the ages of 24 and, and 39, God is putting us in positions. You may be literally looking at a position right now that everyone around you is trying to figure out how do you qualify for that position. God is literally, and, and, and so the imposter syndrome says that I don't belong here and why am I here? Right. And so fear begins to set in. I tell people all the time that faith, that fear is not the opposite of faith. And this is just my right. opinion. Hit me up. I'll give you my social media later. You can hit me up in the DMs. We can talk about it. We can chat about it. That I don't believe. Yes, I know the scriptures say that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. But that doesn't negate the fact that the, my reality is, is that sometimes I am fearful and sometimes I am afraid of the unknown, of what I do know. And so on right. this faith wall, and we're talking talking about increasing capacity, because I believe one of the biggest things that is holding us back 
from fully, boldly, and audaciously walking into the things of God is the fear that literally has a stronghold and a hold and a chokehold on our lives, on our feet, on our hands, on our mouth, on our ears, and on our mm. eyes. And I always say that faith, that fear is not the opposite of faith, and that faith right. is not the opposite of fear. That on mm. this faith walk, I have had fear. But the difference is I have decided that to keep faith, I won't let fear have the last say so. It's not about mm. not having fear. It's about right. what you allow to have this last say so in your life. Mm, and when I determine that no matter what, even with my fear, even with my nerves, even with my anxiousness, even with my giddiness, that I know that I have been called to a life of, of faith, a life of walking out to what God has called me to do. I know I have been called to do a lot of things that fear is going to come, but I can't let, ha let, let fear have the last say so. And so what right. there is a mantra that uh, my first lady, um, shout out to Lady B out here in Fort Worth, Texas, New Breed Christian Center. She says, do it afraid. She says, do it afraid. And so literally a model of mine to increase my capacity is I shut fear up by still with all, I bring all my, I show up to speaking events. I show up to singing events. I show up to interviews. I show up to podcast recordings, bringing all of my fear with me and I do it afraid. And as I begin mm. to do it afraid, I begin to create more space for God to fill all of the areas that he wants to do in my life. And I'll tell you the third thing really right. quick um, is that to somebody who feels like I told you, all I just got out of a season of feeling like I was I was doing everything that I was all over the place. Mm -hmm. I had to debunk the myth that this big God has only called us to do uh, one thing in life. That I serve mm. a God. Here is here is how I live. I serve a God who has called me to do this and that. He has not called yeah. me to just do this or that. To, okay, he's called me to bake. All I'm going to do is bake. He's called me to teach. All I'm going to do is teach. No, I serve a God who is big enough to use everything he's... I refuse to believe that God has put something on the inside of me that he has not called me to use. The right. prayer is... When would he have me to use those different gifts that he's he's called me to do? And how would he have me to use those? And that's when that prayer for clarity comes into space and really understanding um, what sectors, ooh, really understanding what sectors of I've been called to help facilitate connection and all the different things that I do. When I got clarity yeah. on what my one thing is, I help facilitate connection. And so I've been called, can I tell you, as believers, millennial believers, hear me. We have not been, just been called to one sector of life. There are seven sectors of life. There's religious, educational, healthcare, social, uh, social sector, arts and arts and media, governmental and business. Okay, if you go read Daniel, those mm. all be illuminated to you. We have been called to infiltrate one or mm. more of those sectors of life. And God has called us to use our talents, abilities, and resources to bring a kingdom presence into these seven sectors of the world. When God says, go ye therefore, teaching all nations, it wasn't just go ye therefore in the schools. Now he called me to go to the schools. Right. He called me to go to go to the kitchen. He called me to go to the church. Like when he says, go ye right. therefore, so I am living proof. 
and how we increase capacity. I'm going to tie back because I'm a teacher and I've got to make sure I don't lose the point, huh? But somebody said, <laughs> teacher, he, he, he done got all off on the question. Yo, the, the way that we can increase capacity, ask for clarity, do it afraid, and accept the fact that we've been called to do this and that, right? Accept the mm. fact that God is not a one-dimensional God and he didn't create yeah. you one dimensional believer that he's everything that he's put on the inside of you. He's called you to do it, man. He's called you to do it. Yeah. Man. You hear me? He's called you to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. Hey, if, if, if we don't leave with nothing else, you ain't one dimensional and the capacities or dude, I, I don't have to go back and re and put that on replay. If y'all didn't get that last piece, you got to go back and replay that last part. As you talk about that capacity, if you think you're 12 ounce, but you really are a two leader and you're yeah. operating with a 12 ounce mentality, you're never going to believe God for more. You're never going to see more because you never believe that you're more. Yeah. And that's good. And I, and I love that, man. So as we wrap this thing up, man, how, if people want to connect with you, how can they do so to tell, tell them your socials, whatever it is, how can yeah, they connect? Yeah. With you? I'm on all the social medias at Colton Blake at Colton Blake underscore. If you type in Colton Blake, cool thing about social media is, there are some other Colton Blakes. There's somebody that already had Colton Blake. And uh, like I, we, we met each other. Uh, he lives in Oklahoma. It's, it's pretty cool. But <laughs> That's funny. Him, at Colton Blake underscore on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, if you're interested in, in just keeping up, if you want to keep up with me in the educational space of things, you can follow me at the choir guy. At the choir mm -hmm. guy. But for for this podcast, yo, you can hit me up IG, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram on at Colton Blake, and you'll find me there. At Colton Blake, hey brother, man, like I said at the beginning, y'all, y'all, one of the most dynamic individuals I know. I was not playing. Uh, I just hope y'all are able to take. So y'all gonna have to go back and put this one on replay. It, it ain't even a question about it because there was so many nuggets there that we knew Holy Spirit just downloading in the moment, uh, just understanding the heart. When we have so many things on the inside of us and we believe that we're just this one thing and God says, nah, uh-uh, I've called you to more. And the question is, do we believe him? And when he says that, and, and so with that being said, y'all, share this episode with someone out there that you know needs to needs that little push, that needs to be encouraged, that needs to be inspired. And y'all already know how it always comes for me. If we don't remember anything else, remember this. You've been called up. Until next time, y'all take care. <laughs>